Seltzer Kings podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I wouldn't be too smug about him, Gavin. I just got two words for you. Prince Andrew. Ass. The following podcast contains... Don't you cuss on this here radio. I apologize to all the friendly folk who are listening. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you gave your name to a beer without even tasting it first, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is episode number 337, Eating Big Brother's Peanuts and Drinking Billy's Beer edition of the show, where we talk about the fun Carter brother, Billy Carter. Stay tuned. Beer. What the hell we think your podcast is brought to you by Davy Beer. The cheap beer with my face on the can. When you're thinking about having a bland, watered-down domestic lager whose only appeal is kitsch, why not have a Davy Beer? Davy Beer is basically a bottom-shelf PBR knockoff, but the cans have the smiling face of a low-rated podcast host on them. Why? Because I will sell out for a stunningly small amount of money. So when you reach for your next cold one, reach for the one with my face on it. Davy Beer talking about Billy Carter and, and your friends in Plains, Georgia, or whatever, they refer to you as a, a good old boy. Now, I wonder if you could define that. That's a hard thing to define. I don't know uh, exactly what one is. I, I guess the other people think of the good old boy as being the one that rides around and pick up trucks, which I do, and drinks beer instead of looking in public, which I do, and uh, standing around and just Have tell lies to each other. <laughs> so, let's talk about the beer for a couple of seconds. Uh, what do you think of the light beers? You know, the various beers that are coming out with the lower in calories. Do, do they appeal to you? No, I'll drink them when I can't get anything else, but uh, <laughs> I prefer other kinds. Right, what, what, uh, what about the foreign beers? Some of the, you know, the German beers and so forth. The, I will, I'll drink foreign beers at some uh, bars where they don't serve, they're too high class to serve American beer. That's the only time I'll ever drink it. So you're basically uh, an American beer drinker. That's right. Uh, do, do you uh, start the day with a beer? No, I don't. Uh, I, I don't drink at all during the day when I'm working. Huh. On Saturday morning, Sunday morning when I'm off, I do start the day with a beer. It, uh, it might be hard for some of you to imagine, but uh, I'm kind of a black sheep in my family. <sighs> Shocking, to say the least. It's not because of my drinking or my womanizing or my big city ways. I mean, yeah, okay, because of those things too, but mostly it's because I'm a Democrat. <gasps> yeah! To the best of my knowledge, I am the only registered Democrat in all of my family. The rest being either unregistered apathetics or Republican cum Trumpers. So, uh, you know, we don't talk politics. But it wasn't always like this. Once upon a time, a genuine, born-again, Bible-thumping Southerner and Democrat caught fire in the family, and everybody came out to vote for him. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. 
<laughs> oh, God, no. Definitely not Bill Clinton. No. For my kin to vote Democrat, it would take a real Southerner, a peanut farming Southerner. And that man could only be... Fucking Jimmy Carter. Fucking Jimmy Carter. Now, I was just old enough to be able to properly comprehend presidential elections in 1976 when Jimmy ran and won. And I clearly remember hearing my papa talk about how Jimmy Carter was a God-fearing man. And my mom and dad were talking about how anyone would be better than, say, say, uh, Gerald Ford. And I remember thinking that Jimmy was this, this guy with a big toothy grin and an accent that sounded just like me. And he had a daughter a few years older than I was. So I, as a seven-year-old, thought that Jimmy Carter was my president. And you know what? Jimmy was fucking awesome. Language. He grew up in a small town in Georgia, born to middle-class parents, attended college before transferring to the Naval Academy. He was hand-selected by Admiral Rickover, the godfather of nuclear submarines from the Navy to into the Navy nuke program. He received an advanced degree in nuclear engineering and helped commission the USS Seawolf, the second United States nuclear sub. He left the Navy, took over the family farm, and entered politics after his dad died, and he eventually rose to Georgia governor in 1971 before running for and winning the White House in 1976. And while I loved Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't my favorite Carter. As impressive as Jimmy was, it was his brother Billy that really touched my youthful redneck soul. Where, what, what's your agenda for the next couple of days, Billy? Oh, I'm going back home this weekend. It'll be the first weekend since... Uh I think it's about the 1st of March. I've been home Saturday and Sunday, and then I leave out again Wednesday. What are you going to do over the weekend? Well, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to go home. I'm going home tomorrow, and Sunday morning I'm going to get up and ride around and drink beer, and probably tomorrow afternoon ride around and drink beer. And Maybe later in the day? Right, just relax. Ride around and right. drink some beer. Okay. Jimmy's little brother, William Alton Carter III, named after his paternal grandfather and great-grandfather, was born in 1937, the youngest of four children. Of all the Carter children, Billy was the most conventional. Though Billy would later joke he was the only sane one, saying, quote, My mother went into the Peace Corps when she was 68. My one sister is a motorcycle freak. My other sister is a holy roller evangelist. And my brother is running for president. I am the only sane one in my family. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Billy wasn't great at school. He graduated next to last from in his high school, which... Uh, as an aside, you have to wonder what that was like. Well, yeah, I was bad at school, but I was only the second worst kid in the class. So I got that going for me, which is nice. I couldn't find a lot about Billy's time in the Marines, but one could safely assume that he was a good Marine. Southern boys who aren't big thinkers or the stock and trade of the Corps even today give them the job. They will simply get it done without fuss. And then he went on to flunk out of Emory University after a year and he basically found himself doing a little bit of everything until returning home to Plains in 1964. Billy Carter is what was known then and now as a good old boy. I'm what you might call a redneck. Well, yeah, I mean, all good old boys are rednecks, but not all rednecks are good old boys. This is all so very confusing. Okay, so I'm going to try and break the redneck nomenclature down for people who are not familiar with the taxonomy. In the South, you have a certain type of folks commonly referred to as rednecks. They tend to be a little on the rougher side, perhaps embracing the style and ethos that isn't what people would think of as high culture. Lots of gimme hats, t-shirts, old jeans. They like trucks. They like trucks a lot. 
They like cheap beer and loud country music. Some rednecks are cultural rednecks, meaning they adopt the mannerisms and style of the redneck. Others are what we think of as true rednecks. That's how they was raised. And finally, there are just some general pieces of shit who use redneckedness as a disguise for their bad behavior, substance abuse, criminality, and racism. But a good old boy, who is usually a true redneck, is a redneck that is the genuine salt of the earth. The kind of person you depend on to pull your truck out of the mud in the middle of the night, or spend the weekend helping you clear brush from your papa's land, or drive across the state line to buy fireworks for the kids on the 4th of July. The good old boy isn't a big thinker. He won't understand a math problem, but he can tear down your engine and rebuild it better than it was before. He doesn't exactly know what a satellite does, but it'll help build a line to connect your satellite dish and pirate TV signals down in the holler. Rednecks are a dime a dozen, but a genuine good old boy is a rare fucking treasure. And by all accounts, Billy Carter was a good old boy. His father died when Billy was just 16, and Billy took over running the family business until Jimmy could resign his naval commission and come home to take over. And you know what? Billy did it well. As Jimmy got more and more into politics, Billy again took up the family farm and ran it successfully. He would say after his time in the national spotlight, according to his Washington Post obituary, quote, in his later life, he would sometimes said that in some ways he wished he'd been allowed to run the family business. But on the whole, he enjoyed his time in the national spotlight. He said, I've been asked a thousand times, I guess, what I would do if I had to do it all over again. And I said, probably the same thing, because if I had it to do over again, I'd probably screw up worse the second go round." unquote. When Jimmy was the governor of Georgia before he became president and Billy was running the business, he boosted the sales from the family peanut farm from a million dollars a year to six million dollars a year. And pod friends, that ain't peanuts. <laughs> While Jimmy was running the peanut farm, Billy went back to standard good old boy work, driving trucks and working construction jobs. He had married his high school sweetheart early in life, and together, they raised six children. Damn, Billy. Yeah, Billy loved his beer, but he loved his wife more. And by 1972, Billy found himself running and owning a gas station in Plains, Georgia, which is another standard good old boy job. He settled into small town life as his brother Jimmy began climbing the political ladder. And that's what they really got freaky. In 1974, then Governor Jimmy Carter announced that he would be running for the president of the United States in the 1976 election. You should understand that when Jimmy Carter announced he was running for president, the universal reaction can best be summed up as... Huh? Who the what now? The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the largest newspaper in Georgia, ran a headline which literally read, Jimmy who is running for what? In the crowded primary, Carter simply busted ass and won Iowa and New Hampshire and eventually carried the primary. And that's when the national press began heading down to Plains to finally answer the question on everyone's lips. Who the hell is this guy? And that is when America met Billy. Jimmy Carter was and still is a sober, sensible dude with a reputation for being quietly competent, devoutly, devoutly religious, and was not in any sense of the word the life of the party, which, as you might guess, doesn't make for fancy, juicy news stories. But there was Billy, loud, boisterous, gregarious, you know, kitschy fun, 
Mental Floss described Billy thusly, quote, when the national press descended on Plains, Georgia during the 1976 presidential campaign, the journalists were looking for some insight into Democratic challenger Jimmy Carter's character. They found something even better. Carter's hard-drinking younger brother, gas station owner Billy. The media quickly fell in love with the bespectacled, beer-chugging younger Carter. Billy's southern-fried buffoon character and over-the-top friendliness provided the perfect counterpoint to his brother's earnest demeanor, and his wit kept the press stocked with sound bounce like, I got a redneck, white socks, and blue ribbon beer, unquote. Billy quickly became a national sensation. The press loved him because Billy would happily give them quotes, that played to their stereotypical expectations of a rube redneck who wasn't aware that the world was laughing at him rather than with him. The public loved him because Billy was like so many people they knew. A little rough around the edges, but a decent dude. And Jimmy loved him because he was his brother and because Billy made Jimmy more likable by association. It would take research chops beyond mine to know exactly how much Billy figured into the campaign strategy in 1976, but he certainly wasn't considered a problem for the campaign and was a regular fixture at Carter rallies across the South, where the so-called Southern strategy that was started by Nixon was slowly changing the voters from Democrat to Republican. Indeed, Carter would be the last Democrat to be competitive in much of the South, and Billy's good old boy persona certainly didn't hurt. It's fair to say that Jimmy's campaign used Billy Carter, but it's also fair to say that Billy Carter was happy to let himself be used because Billy had ambitions of his own and was well aware of the potential of having his older brother be president. Billy Carter played the role of a big dumb redneck, but he was anything but dumb, though he was definitely, definitely a redneck. The same year that Jimmy ran for president, Billy was also on the ballot though admittedly a much shorter ballot. Billy was running for the mayor of Plains for the second time. The first time he had run was in 1971, the same year that Jimmy ran for governor. In a New York Times article from 1976, quote, his spirited effort to turn Mayor A.L. Blanton out of the little town hall here was defeated by a vote of 96 to 71. It was the anti-drinking vote that beat me. The 39-year-old younger brother of the president-elect said as the results were announced tonight next to the beer keg and the unleaded gas pump at his Main Street service station. Jimmy could have done more, too, he added with a quick chuckle. In fact, the president-elect played no role in the election. As the realization of defeat settled on Billy Carter, the toothy Carter smile was replaced by a hard Carter glint. Blaine's is going to hell under Blanton, he mumbled. But the bitterness lasted only a moment and the glint was speedily repressed with another swig of beer and a quip about voter apathy. One of the early voters today was President-elect Carter. His finely tuned political antenna apparently sensed that the anti-drinking vote might be crucial. I think the lower the turnout, the better Billy will, will do. It is commonly accepted in the South where alcohol is an issue. The anti-drinking vote turns out heavily. Again, the president-elect was right. Unquote. After his failed election run, Billy quickly turned his attention to other ways to capitalize on the newfound fame. He signed a book deal in 77 and published a book titled, I swear I'm not making this up, Redneck Power of the Wit and Wisdom of Billy Carter. I mean, Billy didn't write it. You know how these things go. And I found this book because of a review in the Harvard Crimson of all places. And it was not, uh, it was not kind to the book. And later during my research, I dug up the full text of the book on archive.org and pod friends. It is full of little nuggets of Billyisms, And more importantly, there is the full text so I could pull those nuggets and not retype them. Now, I could share them with you here, 
many, many wits and wisdoms that I found from Billy from Billy Carter's mouth. But why would I toss content gold out for free when I can put it up on Patreon for people who are paying me? So if you have any interest in hearing some of Billy's best thought, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash what the hell podcast. And it'll only cost you a dollar, y'all. Now back to the free content of this here show. And then, of course, there was the beer. I have been waiting for this. Billy Carter was a Pabst Blue Ribbon man, and his love of beer was not an affectation of the media. Billy did love his beer. He was known to occasionally pop a Pabst at the breakfast table. He sounds a little like you. I am many things, but I am not a breakfast drinker. Thank you very much. So with his love of beer, it seemed only natural for the Falls City Brewing Company out of Louisville, Kentucky, to reach out to Billy about his very own brand of beer. Falls City was losing ground fast to the big brewers and needed something to capture the attention of America and boost their sales, and they decided it was the president's drunk redneck little brother. Quoting again from Mental Floss, quote, Never wanted to turn down a free beer or an easy buck, Billy agreed to market his own brand of beer. The exact terms of the partnership weren't clear, but various sources reported that Carter received $50,000 a year to license his name and provide promotional services. Billy also got to pick the beer. Fall City brewed up a set of test batches and let him choose the one he thought was the tastiest. Carter had high expectations of the projects and even jokes, maybe I'll become the Colonel Sanders of beer. The Brewers correctly summarized that a beer endorsed by the president's black sheep brother would become a national sensation and it would be impossible for a regional brewery like Fall City to meet so much demand. So Fall City licensed Billy Beer brand to three other regional breweries, unquote. Therein lie the problem. Fall City wasn't making the beer and was not sending people around to make sure that the beer that they told the breweries to make was the beer they actually made. And when it came out, friends, Billy Beer was a hit. Drinkers all over America ran out to pick up some. Even if you didn't like Jimmy, Billy was different. And Sixers and 12-packs with Billy's face and his signature, along with the slogan, I had this beer brewed especially for me. It's the best beer I've ever tasted, and I've tasted a lot. The cans flew off the shelves. There was only one tiny Little problem. The beer was terrible. And this is coming from people who were drinking beers in the 70s when generic American lagers were so bland and unexciting that the introduction of a lighter version of those bland and unexcited beers seemed like an improvement. Again, from Mental Floss. Most contemporary beer drinkers felt like it was apparent that Fall City had put more thought into marketing plans than the brew itself, and even Billy would later jokingly describe Billy Beer as the reason he quit drinking. Of course, even if the beer had been nectar, the brand had another major hurdle to clear, Billy Carter. Hiring a highly quotable, frequently drunk attention hound turned out to be a questionable decision for Fall City. Billy had a habit of attending promotional events for his beer and parodying the company line about how delicious he thought it was, only to later get sloshed and admit to reporters that he still drank Pabst Blue Ribbon at home. That's about the best summary of Billy beer that we can find. It was so noxious that not even Billy Carter would drink it, unquote. Fall City would go out of business in 1978, and nine million unfilled cans of Billy beer were recycled. Oddly, 
or perhaps not, considering that this is America, in 1981, Billy Beer had a collector's renaissance with unopened cans of fetching hundreds of dollars from collectors. It's not clear who or why this happened, only that for a couple of months there was quite literally a Billy Beer bubble that swelled and burst almost as fast as it appeared. Billy would go on from there to head out on tour, judging belly flop contests, selling pizzas in Boston, getting paid 10 grand to play a charity softball game. He was said to be earning as much as $500,000 a year for appearances around the country. Hell, Billy even played a redneck sheriff in a CBS movie of the week. And yes, pod friends, he did appear on Hee Haw. I had footage of this, but the audio was so terrible, I couldn't salvage it. But my God, it was it was fucking brilliant. Billy Carter and Hee Haw. Actually, he was terrible on it, but still, he was a perfect fit. And Billy even licensed his name to the Ravel Model Company for a pickup truck called, you guessed it, Redneck Power. So true to the redneck style that the website Truth About Cars said, quote, Hell, Ravel might as well have included a couple of littered Skinner 8-tracks, a church key, and a pack of zigzags in every kit, unquote. Unfortunately for Billy, Jimmy, and America, Billy Mania would not last. It started out small with the state of Georgia citing Billy's gas station for selling beer on a Sunday. How dare you? How dare you? There's still plenty of places in Georgia today where this is literally a crime. You best buy your beer on Saturday or you'll be driving across the county line on Sunday before the football game. Then some of Billy's more colorful opinions started to come out. Like when he commented about women's liberation by saying, if they get more rights, we'll have a pigsty. Then there was the time when Billy whipped it out and took a piss on the runway at the Atlanta airport because he couldn't find a bathroom, to which I say, been there, brother. You've been pounding beers on the plane. You find out you got to wait 20 minutes to get to the terminal and everybody's already standing up blocking the aisle of the bathroom. Sometimes you just got to go where you can go. There's no crime in that. And then there was Billy Gate. And also it's not a gate. Oh, it's a gate. Where do I even begin with Billy Gate? I guess I'll begin by quoting from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, quote, but as suddenly as it had begun, the public's fascination with Billy Carter ended after he tried to take advantage of his fame in a most unexpected way. He became an agent in the United States for the interest of the nation of Libya. For 10 days in 1978, he visited the North African nation ruled by Muammar Gaddafi, an Islamic fundamentalist. Billy Carter said he never met Mr. Gaddafi. The next year, during a U.S. tour by a Libyan delegation, Billy Carter and other Georgians hosted a reception at an Atlanta hotel. Later during the tour, he was asked if he thought American Jews might criticize his association with the Libyans, to which he replied, there are a lot more Arabs than there are Jews. The remark was interpreted as anti-Semitic and created a storm of controversy. The U.S. government forced him to register as a foreign agent. The Senate investigated his Libyan ties. Public opinion turned against him, and his public appearances were canceled. IRS tax liens were filed against property owned and the property he owned. A Nashville, Tennessee agent who represented him said, 
Billy's showbiz days are over. According to Jimmy Carter in his autobiography, Keeping Faith, Billy's income dropped to zero. It was then, according to the former president, that the Libyans tried to help their friend Billy Carter by hiring him as a broker for oil. The Libyans loaned him $220,000 as an advance on earnings. Later, the news that Mr. Gaddafi's regime had loaned Billy Carter $200,000 clouded Jimmy Carter's re-election chances in 1980, unquote. Good old boys ain't dumb, y'all, but they're not wise. Their very nature makes them vulnerable to making bad decisions because at the core of who they are, they want to be liked. So they will do whatever they think will make people like them. Maybe that's showing up to help you move, or maybe it's playing the rube to help your brother get elected president. And that doesn't change because all of a sudden you're a famous good old boy with a Nashville agent and everything. They're just making their way any way they know how. And sometimes when a Libyan dictator pays you to say nice things about them, well, that's just a little bit more than the law will allow. Fighting the system like a two modern day Robin Hood. (laughs) Through all of it, Jimmy never once turned on his brother or slammed him in the press. Jimmy would say later that his presidency was probably the hardest on his brother Billy out of all of them. Billy drank heavily after his fall from grace. Keep in mind, this was a guy who drank beer for breakfast. Until he finally quit drinking in the early 1980s. He never lost his sense of humor, though. He was always ready to quip about his former fame and hard drinking. And he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and died at the age of 51. It wasn't his drinking that did it, although it probably didn't help as his father and sister both died of the disease. His son Buddy wrote of his father years later, as quoted in Legacy.com, quote, Dad was three different people. One was the guy we saw at home, the one who provided for us and disciplined us, the man who read four newspapers a day and seven or eight novels a week, and who could discuss any topic from how much rain was needed to make a crop grow to global politics. Another was the man who worked hard every day in the family business, putting 100% attention to the task. And the third was the man the press paid attention to, unquote. And you know, it's pretty easy to paint Billy Carter as a money-grubbing redneck who grew too big for his britches, a redneck Icarus who drove his pickup truck made of wax too close to the bonfire of the national spotlight. The press at the time certainly liked to cast him in that light, but it's wildly unfair, not only to Billy, but everyone liked Billy, people who knew their worth but had to live in the shadow of more accomplished people in their lives. Billy wasn't good at school, and that marked him as dumb for everyone who knew him, maybe even Billy, forgetting that a lot of brilliant people weren't good at school because school was really fucking boring to them. And then you've got an older brother who joined the Navy and did all this cool stuff before coming home and then rising up the political ladder to become president of the fucking United States against all odds. You got one sister who was gallivanting the world racing Harley Davidsons and another sister who became an evangelist in a male-dominated world of evangelical religion. And then you got Billy. He's not a stupid man by any measure, but he's not an accomplished man. Except, you know, when he was running his family business because he was hellaciously accomplished of that, but he wasn't allowed to do it. But all in all, he was happy being a small town good old boy. He put food on the table for his family. He was perfectly happy to hang around a gas station with his buddies drinking beer and shooting the shit. It wasn't a glamorous life, and it was certainly not the life for everyone. 
but it was a good life for Billy. And then along comes the national media. And goddamn, they think you're just the fucking greatest thing ever. They put you on TV and people are laughing at your jokes. Or at least they're paying attention to your jokes, whether or not they're laughing at them or you. That, that might be open to debate. But it sure is nice to be the center of attention for once in your life. Not too hard to see how that might go to your head and you think to yourself, why shouldn't I keep it? And before you know it, you're making five grand a pop just to show up and be you. Are you gonna tell me you wouldn't let that go to your head, pod friends? Because I know it would go to mine. I grew up with a lot of Billy Carter types, good old boys. And you know what? If things had shifted just the slightest bit at the right time in my life, I would have been a Billy Carter good old boy. See a lot of myself in Billy. How easy it is to play the character people expect of you. I may have traded small town Tennessee for Manhattan, but at the end of the day, I'm still a small town boy who wanted a bit more than what I had. And most of all, for people to think I was funny and fun to be around. And if someone came to me right now and asked me to play up my roots and offered me money and fame to take on that role of funny redneck, well, I'd be hard pressed not to do it, y'all. The only thing I would have done different from Billy Carter is I would have tasted the fucking beer before I put my name on it. That is it for our show this week. We are back at our business after last month's shenanigan. We're doing the shows that you've come to know and love. And I've been waiting to do this one about Billy Carter for a long time. Because I really do love me some Billy Carter. Loved him when I was a kid. And you know what? Billy beer was actually the first beer I ever tasted. My Uncle LB gave me a sip after I begged for some of his. And I can honestly say that I had never had beer before, and I was eight years old, and it is still the worst beer I have ever had. Speaking of the worst you've ever had, rate and review this show wherever you get your pods so people can check us out and find that we're pretty much like a Billy beer, the worst thing they've ever had. All of our ice-cold Billy-like products are on the social, the hell underscore podcast on Twitter, the show name on Facebook, and yeah, we joined Instagram what the hell were you thinking pod on Instagram? Support our brewing efforts on patreon.com slash what the hell podcast where we and we keep all of our kegs of this foul brew at what the hell podcast.com. So for me, Dave, eating Big Brother's peanuts and drinking Billy's beer, Bledsoe producer, I don't care for peanut butter. I obviously feel that Nutella is a superior product. Gavin and all the fictional people on Hee Haw on the show, we want to say, yeah, being famous for having a beer named after you, even if it's a shitty beer, is still a pretty goddamn good legacy. We'll see you all next week. Billy Carter thawed it all up I'm trying to drink it all up. Eating Big Brother's penis and drinking Billy's beer. I stopped on one tall cool one on my way home. That must have been about half past five to half past nine is gone. The telephone rings, yeah, it's for me. She said, where you been, dear? I've been eating Big Brother's peanuts and drinking Philly's beer. Eating Big Brother's peanuts 
What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.